Hello everybody and welcome to the Australian Seller Podcast. My name is Chris Thomas and I'll be your host and this is the show where we talk about all things Amazon and e-commerce, whether it be private label, wholesale, dropshipping and how you can generate a recurring income either on the side or as a full-time gig. G'day, g'day everybody. So much is going on right now. In a few short weeks I'll be in Delhi where I'll be speaking at the Ecom India Summit before hanging out with Megla, Marg and Kevin for the India Sourcing Trip with scores of attendees. So come and hang out with me. Head over to the India Sourcing Trip, well it's actually indiasourcingtrip.com to grab a ticket to join me and lots of other e-commerce sellers sourcing from India. Uh, the Southern Seller Fest is also coming up very soon in November and Regina and I are holding a networking drinks party sponsored by World First so stay tuned for more details around that. Speaking of staying tuned, the fourth Amazon Collective Mastermind is being planned for March, this time in New South Wales next year. Now, this week is a really special episode where I chat to Emma Cunningham, an amazing woman who's absolutely smashing it selling wholesale products on Amazon in the United States and now also in Australia. And Emma shares her story from going from a cushy government job to selling literally millions of dollars of wholesale products on Amazon. She lifts the lid on her strategies and tactics to create a wildly successful Amazon business, and she doesn't even advertise. Now, don't forget to join my Facebook group. Head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash Facebook. I'm still offering private coaching, so head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash Chris to book an hour session. And if you own or work for a consumer products brand and need some help setting up or running your Amazon business, feel free to get in touch. I've got an agency called amosphere.com.au, and we're an official Amazon service provider. All right, let's get on with this week's episode with Emma Cunningham from My Amazon Empire. thrilled to welcome to the microphone Emma Cunningham from my Amazon Empire. Emma, how are you going? Yeah, really well. Thank you, Chris. How are you? I'm going great. Very excited to be talking about this topic. I was saying off air that at the top of the show, my little stinger, which is the intro, that I do talk about private label, wholesale and dropshipping and all that stuff. I've never actually done an episode about wholesale and that's where you come in. So I'm really excited to pick your brains today about how to sell wholesale on Amazon. So really excited about that. But before we get into all of that, tell us about you. What got you into Amazon? What's your backstory? Oh, look, I was working a nine to five for the federal government. And, um, you know, most of my family would say to me that I'd managed to secure a really, um, you know, strong government job and I'll never lose it and great superannuation and all these, you know, fun perks that come with working for the federal government. But for me, it didn't really... Uh, fulfill me in terms of my happiness or I guess my drive in life and and that sort of prompted me to want to look elsewhere at what other opportunities were out there and you know I was in my early 20s and was surrounded by other people that had the same sort of mindset and they had already started in the e-commerce world so um, it sort of allowed me um, fortunately being around those sorts of people to uh, venture into the e-commerce space um, and I first started in the Shopify sort of, uh, you know, uh, platform, so mm. to speak. And then I moved across to Amazon with some iOS updates that had happened. And the thing that really drove me to want to sell on Amazon and still to this day is the fact that it's such an established um, customer base. Like you don't really necessarily need to um, do all of the moving parts like you do if you were to be selling on Shopify in terms of marketing and TikToks and mm. all this you know, additional stuff, email marketing, you name it. So I think for me, the, the, the biggest satisfaction comes from the fact that if I can analyze the data well, um, you know, when I'm looking to wholesale a product, I mm-hmm. should be able to tap into an already established uh, market of, of, you know, customers looking to buy that item. Um, and in turn, it makes it a little less stressful to sell through my stock as opposed to mm-hmm. um, if I was still on Shopify. So yeah, I, I sort of ventured over to Amazon and I haven't really looked back. And I think at the moment with the up uptrend that we're sort of seeing um, of 
of you know customers buying on Amazon Australia in particular it's it's quite um, exciting for me because I just think to myself in another 12 months from now it should be a uh, you know a whole other playing field in terms of the, the revenue that we can be making on Amazon That's Australia awesome. as opposed to the US so yeah. yeah it's definitely growing I was at the Amazon seller summit a few short weeks ago uh, up in Sydney speaking about um, brand registry actually uh, mm. which might be a little topic that we might touch on here for wholesale today but let's talk about wholesale like why don't we define what it is just from your experience how would you yeah, define sure. wholesale selling on Amazon in that model because most of the listeners are probably private label got their own brands don't have to fight for the buy box or any of that stuff so yeah let's let's talk about wholesale yeah, well, look, in comparison for me, um, I, I stumbled across the wholesale business model um, by following on social media some Americans. I think it's a very big business model in the US in particular. Um, and I, I just think, you know, when, you know, looking at the Amazon.com in particular, you know, there's over a million sellers on there um, selling actively. So it's a very competitive market. Um, and I think with that, you've got a mixture of private labels, like you mentioned, and then you've got a whole heap of people that are just selling branded products that are already um, established in the market. So that could be anything from, you know, Colgate toothpaste, um, Red, Red Bull energy drinks, um, you know, uh, Philips air fryers, like you name it, as long as it's a, a brand, so to speak, that is willing to um, wholesale their items, uh, you can essentially reach out and open an account with them and be able to basically buy their products at a cheaper rate, um, you know, wholesale so to speak at a wholesale yep. price and um, sell it at the retail price on Amazon and um, essentially be able to just service the market that's already on there looking for these items so we usually start by reaching out to distributors that are in a particular niche so mm-hmm. we would look for say for example I really like the pet space we would look for pet distributors that have different branded items um, of pet products so usually things that you and I would see in a pet store Um, those sorts of brands are also usually on Amazon and um, can't really necessarily keep up with the demand that is on there. So they will um, look to third-party sellers like us to buy their products and also service that demand and and keep the wheels turning. So Mm. usually when we have a distributor, um, you know, open the account with us, they'll then provide us with what range of products they have. And by doing that, it's usually, um, you know, the product name and the UPC, which would identify for us when we search it on Amazon, which listings are relevant to that product and then they would normally specify a price per unit or if we were to buy X amount, it would then, you know, be discounted by however much. Um, and yep. then we basically from there would take that information and assess our profitability um, utilising the Amazon FBA method. So um, hmm. when we are looking at the listings, we'll firstly look at how much sales demand is occurring on the listing. And usually that would go hand in hand with how many other offers are on the listing or other sellers, so to speak, that are also servicing this demand. So, for example, hmm. if there was, you know, a thousand monthly sales happening on on this product, but there is 10 other sellers, we wouldn't want to go ahead and buy, you know, 500 odd units because we're not going to be able to sell through that in a timely manner when there's 10 other people servicing the thousand sales that are occurring. Mm. So it usually goes hand in hand as to how deep we would want to go on on the product um, based on how competitive it is. Mm -hmm. And then um, ultimately we're looking at our profitability as well. So we usually see anywhere from about 10% margin up to, I'd confidently say 30% we would see quite regularly wow. as well. Every now and again, we will see margins um, higher than that, which is is great and it's a good opportunity to jump on. Mm-hmm. And that's usually factoring in, factoring in obviously the selling fees for selling on Amazon that's and right. also, um, you know, the shipping, the picking, the packing, all that sort of stuff um, is sort of already taken out and we, we're left over with those sorts of margins um, and then we would usually then go back to the distributor and say, hey, we want to buy, you know, 200 units of these Kong, you know, dog toys yeah, or whatever it might be. Kong. 
yeah, yeah. Yep, there's all that sort of stuff that we can get and we can wholesale. Um, and as I say, people are already searching for dog toys on Amazon and they already trust the brand Kong. So instead of that's trying right. to reinvent the wheel, we're just leveraging the market that's already there for these these uh, yeah. credible brands. That's right, because those listings are just flying. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're huge listings, right? And they're trusted brands. And so you don't have to launch the product. I mean, the product's already selling by itself. All you got to do is just create an offer on the listing, right? That is competitive. So... Speaking about a competitive offer on the listing, what are the main factors do you think that influence winning that all-important featured offer box or the buy box as it's more commonly known? Yeah, for sure. So we we usually see the buy box um, rotate between different sellers, you know, a number mm. of times throughout the day when it's a wholesale product. And that usually is just the other sellers updating their price point and being more competitive with whoever has the buy box. So for example, if it was selling at say $20 right now, and I had the capacity and enough margin and wiggle room to be able to update my price to say maybe $19.70. Um, mm-hmm. If I went ahead and did that, probably unless the other seller was someone that was like a veteran that had been doing it for years it had a, a large um, you know review base mm. um, I would usually then see that the buy box would come across to myself at 1970 within sort of the next 20 minutes so yeah. normally the number one thing that we're looking for is can we com- be competitive on price because obviously mm-hmm. Amazon really does favor their you know consumers and the shoppers so they're looking for how quickly can someone get this or the, you know how quickly can this seller get this to this customer and how cheap um, you know and, and you know, savings wise, can this customer get on this product? So um, normally what we would see by doing the FBA model is because Amazon guarantees, you know, same day, if not next day delivery in the US in particular, um, mm. you know, we should be able to beat an FBM seller. Um, you know, oh, just every day. FBA. Yeah. Um, yeah. If not, it would then come back to the price. And then as I mentioned before, if it was a li- listing where, you know, even before we even buy these items we do assess like the other sellers that are currently on there with their offers are they people with thousands of five-star reviews or Mm. have they been selling or are they a brand new seller where they've had two reviews in the last 12 months and you can see that they've just got onto amazon as a whole and they're not going to be someone that can really compete with us when we've been doing it for quite some time so there is that sort of factor of like are you competing with an absolute beginner or are you competing with someone Mm. that's been doing it for quite some time and you know it's um there are so many products like we're talking hundreds of thousands of products that you can wholesale on Amazon in America and and the same for Australia as well. There's a lot of these brands on on the Aussie platform, but, um, you know, there are a lot of opportunities. It's not like you're going to look at a listing and be like, oh, damn, it's my first time selling on Amazon. I'm not going to be able to compete. It's not like that at all. We have new accounts that we open up every month that are still performing Mm -hmm. really well. So um, that there is that sort of factor that plays into it, but not always will that rule you out from getting the buy box. Cool. So with the, you know, these wholesale listings, so when you're selling, do you use like a repricing engine or anything like that to sort of set a minimum floor plot price and maybe an upper limit? Yeah, you so- definitely can. There's there's quite a few in the market. Um, we've u- previously used one called B- BQL, I believe it's pronounced, B-Q-O-O-L. Mm-hmm. Um, all these softwares have such funky names, don't they? Don't they? But, um, yeah, we, the one- we have use that but we've just found that for us we do, we still like that human element of looking at our stores and being able to attend to things if something's popped up or an alert or um you know anything like that that we need to sort of look at we do like to be in there and actually um driving the boat ourselves but yeah you can definitely use reprices as like a backup and i think with ai now mm. stronger than ever i think it's important to use them um actively right now no i'm not but it's just because i have a handful of staff that can check it all day long so it's just like that's the approach we've gone with but um 
Yeah. What about things like bundling products together? So creating a new offer on the same listing, but this time you've actually created the bundle, like a two-pack or a five-pack or something like that. Is that something that you guys oh, do there? we see it all the time. Like I could search yeah. up a listing right now and it's normally something that would prompt me to think, is this something that people would want a bundle of? So, mm. um, for example, we, we sell this washing detergent that does really well um, and mm-hmm. we're on a, a two-pack listing, we're mm-hmm. on the six-pack listing and we're on the 12-pack listing and they're already been – they've you know, these listings have previously been created, so they're already on there and they've already oh, okay. got search demand happening. So we don't necessarily try and get on there and create a brand new fresh listing and try and run any form of PPC or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Honestly, a lot of the time, these are brands that have been selling on Amazon for four, five, six years that the listings are already there and have already, you know, ranked for keywords mm-hmm. and things like that. And That's someone right. else has already previously done the hard yards, so to speak. So we just basically pull up and see same thing as I mentioned before, profitability, demand and competitiveness. Mm-hmm. And if we have the ability to, if we've got the supplier there that we can buy that product from, it's just a matter of utilising a prep centre to bundle it up into six packs or 12 packs or whatever we're wanting to sort of list on and get that yeah. sent across to Amazon. Um, and, and most of the time, if we can find a product that is profitable across three or four different listings, we will be buying it and selling yeah. it on, on four of them because it doesn't really matter. It's just about scalability for us. Um, if we've got the funds there to spend and we've got a supply with the product and it makes sense on these listings, then for sure mm. there's no reason why you wouldn't. Yeah, the bundling thing's been an interesting one for me because I do have clients that are wholesaling and bundling in the US. Mm. And what's happened lately, probably in the last sort of three to four weeks, so that we're recording this wide on the 12th of September, um, last three to four weeks, we've been trying to create new bundles, you know, mm. like a, a four-pack of, of a product. Obviously, I can't say what it is. Uh, and Amazon's knocking back our barcodes because they're not related to the brand that actually mm. originally, you know, with their with their own GS1 barcode. So, yeah, it's getting really hard. It's really uh, – soon, I think, if you want to create a new bundle, you're going to need to ask the brand owner to do it for you and then jump on yeah, it. Yeah, which is – it's so interesting, like all these yeah. changes that are happening in the space. Um, but, yeah, I, I also look for ones that have already been done, you know, yeah, months ago, if not years ago, mm, like some of these products I've been honestly selling since um, I was a I was a pot. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, oh, what was my next question going to be? Just around, um, just I want to go back to the buy box and how to win the featured offer because there was something that you mentioned off air, really uh, well off air, but mm. just before we jumped online, um, which is just around the account health as well. So, look, first of all, you mentioned price. So, a competitive price helps win the featured offer box. The seller feedback, so that's the reviews that you're talking about. So seller yep. feedback is different to product reviews, people. Yep. Um, that's your performance as a seller on Amazon, right? So you yeah, need well, to have got, as many. Yeah, you've got store, store reviews and then you've also that's got right. your account health, which is also like are you sending mm. Amazon, if you're utilising FBA, for example, are you sending Amazon the products correctly or are they receiving it at their warehouse and needing to provide feedback to you? That can go as a little strike against your name if you're you know, not preparing mm. the inventory accurately and sending it to them um, if you've told them that it would be done. So, for example, um, drawing back to that uh, laundry detergent that I was talking about before, mm-hmm. um, that one there we have to send with a particular um, seal. So it mm-hmm. has a seal under the lid, but we also have to then bubble wrap it up and make sure that it's got like a double seal, so to speak. Otherwise, that will then um, uh, go as a strike against your name if you've sent it through and, and not done what you've told them you would do. Um, you've got things like have you – you know, when you're listing the product, is it actually the accurate item that you're then sending out to the consumers? And, you know, um, customers can obviously complain if the product mm. was advertised as new, but they can see that there's been signs of use previous to them or whatever it might be. 
Um, so yeah, you can get you know strikes against your store account health for yeah, um, yeah. the condition that the, the customers are receiving the product in, how Amazon is receiving the inventory if you're not doing it accurately. Um, if you're doing FBM, you can get strikes against your store um, account oh, yeah. health if you're not shipping out the products quick yeah. enough. I think there's like a certain, I think it's five days or something like that that you have to be yeah, able to send out a, a mm. yeah. And if you're not doing that, that can go against your account health. And obviously, if you've got a really healthy account health score, then mm. someone else, you know, and you've got the same price as the other person that has the buy box, or you've got the buy box and they're trying to beat you, but they've got a account health score of 100 and you're at, you know, 800. Well, then yeah. if there's nothing else there that would really differentiate them from you, well, you're going to win because you've got a, a higher account health score and yeah. a more healthy store in, in the eyes of Amazon. Like they really do obviously try to um, do the right thing by the sellers that are doing the right thing by their policies as well. So, That's right. um, for their customers, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So what about things like uh, trademark infringement? So let's say that I'm selling some Kong, I don't know, dog chew toys or something, right? And I, and I jump on the listing. Do I have to worry about infringing on Kong's trademarks or the, their brand registry? Do you? That's the first question and it's a two-part question. The second thing is, um, do you ever request brand registry from some of the brands that you wholesale? Um, not necessarily. Usually we would steer clear of a listing if it was just um, the only seller on the listing was either just Amazon or just the brand. I was going to um, ask about I mean Amazon. Is, yeah, <laughs> like for example, there's a really popular women's hair care brand called Olaplex. Um, and in the US in particular, you cannot list their products. It's just mm. Amazon. Amazon has the rights to it and that's it. Whether you like it or yeah. not, you cannot sell that product. Um, Amazon system won't even allow you to get on their listings. Whereas in Australia, we have a distributor that we can get Olaplex from at a really good you know, price point and we can list mm. the products on um, amazon.com.au with no issue. So it's really interesting, different marketplaces mm. where Amazon's sort of taken the rights and that's that. Um, but drawing back to your original question, um, you know, if you get like a, a IP complaint is, is sort of the terminology mm, um, right. that you'll see in, in the uh, wholesale okay. world as well. Um, mm. Usually you'd be wanting to cross check with the distributor that you're buying the items from, whether they have the appropriate supply chain um, documentation, because mm -hmm. usually what would happen is you would need to submit that sort of paperwork to Amazon to say, hey, this is where I bought it from. This is, you know, how I have the ability to sell this brand. Um, and, and to try and fight that IP complaint. But normally what I would even do just to mitigate that risk is actually ask the distributor at the very beginning, like, hey, do you have the paperwork? Um, mm -hmm. If there is um, authenticity complaints or IP complaints down the track, do you have the ability to support us with your documentation? And mm -hmm. to be honest, a lot of the distributors are very straight to the point. They'll either say yes or no. They don't want the headache of telling you yes no. and then down the track it's a no. Um, so they are normally quite transparent with that. And then you're actually acting at your own risk then. If they've told you, hey, no, I don't have that paperwork, but the, the product is $3.50 a unit and you're looking at it going, hmm, do I want to you know, make a quick profit or do I want to risk that? Like you've kind of got to assess the listing and normally there are pop-ups that we can see if there has been previous IP complaints that have occurred cool. by the brand. So um, a mm. lot of the software tools that we use do allow us to see that sort of information. Oh, we'll touch on software tools later. That's a really good topic actually I didn't even think of. Mm. Um, have you run into issues around say Amazon transparency program and having to, you know, label with the transparency barcodes, those serialized barcodes or anything like that? Yeah, look, I, I steer very well clear of those <laughs> items because um, it's just, I feel like physically being in Australia and selling on Amazon in the US in particular, it just, 
becomes a bit more of a headache because you're not physically there to be able to deal with this sort of stuff or you know mm. um sometimes prep fees can blow out if you've got to do all this additional prep when it's not you physically standing there doing it for your items you know what i mean where yeah, you're happy yeah. to wear that cost for your labor yourself so that bundling um, and things, I, yeah. again yeah like I, I just feel like there are so many products that you can sell for wholesale purposes you can avoid food you can avoid transparent um barcodes all that sort of stuff you can yeah park that for yeah, when okay. you're desperate but really you should never really have to hit that point let's go back and talk about brand gating because that's another big issue for sellers and obviously yeah, in the wholesale easy. world yeah it's a huge one and it's not just amazon vendor um who can i don't know i mean amazon creates the gate on the brand to prevent unauthorized sellers selling that particular brand of products mm. or the brand the brand's products <laughs> interestingly a couple of weeks ago and this is kind of i don't know how black hat this is so be careful people but i did use a company called the Funnel Guru to get get a brand ungated for this client I was telling about earlier, um, which allowed us to start selling on the listing. Although the bundling option that we tried to pursue hasn't worked because we don't have the right barcodes yet. But the point is, is that um, brand gating can be a real pain. So have you stumbled across that? I'm sure you must have. Yeah, I've I've personally used the Funnel Guru before. We've given them mm. a lot of money over our time. but <laughs> um, too. Yeah, like if they say that they can get it, they can get it. But I, mm. I recently um, started to look into working with another gentleman um, and, and he, you know, I, I guess drawing back to the whole topic of, of gating, it's, you know, where have you bought these items from? You have to have bought at least minimum 10 units of this brand or this, mm. um, you know, specific item. Um, and then, you, you know, you've got to submit sometimes photos to Amazon. It just depends on That's the right. level of dating that they've put. But, you know, uh, this other company that I've looked to merge to are a little bit more affordable in terms of their fees that they charge, mm-hmm. but they do guarantee that you'll be able to get ungated because they know what uh, suppliers and distributors are, you know, ticked off in Amazon's system, basically, that that is a authorised um, chain of, of supply, so to speak. So. Mm-hmm. They actually said to me, look, I wouldn't, you know, recommend you continue to use Funnel Guru because it is actually the way that they do it is against Amazon's policy, so to speak, in terms of the documents That's they're submitting. But what, a, what I've always worried about, yeah, I've never yeah. really known. It's a bit of a black box there. I just, I'm just glad they can do it. They can do it and it's got, right. a, you know, it's it's been done many, many times before us. Like they've been operating for years. I think I saw mm. um, YouTube reviews about Funnel Guru from like 2017. Like they've been yeah, around right. for a long time. Mm. But um, yeah, this other company had uh, said to us like, look, we just know which distributors you'll get a tick of approval for Amazon from. Mm-hmm. You'll have to still buy the 10 units and you'll do it the, you know, legitimate way basically is how they advertise. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's something that we're sort of, we've just started uh, looking into because, you know, even if we think that a supplier or a distributor is, um, you know, going to meet all the requirements of Amazon in terms of the ad- addresses advertised and, mm. you know, they've told us they have the paperwork or whatever it might be, phone number, all that. There's all these additional little things that Amazon says will meet the requirements, but you'll still submit mm. invoices sometimes and they'll knock it back. And it's like, well, it back, yeah. how are you meant to know? So again, to try and mitigate that risk, all we can really do is ask the distributor, like, hey, do you normally get feedback from other sellers that your invoices work for Amazon's purposes? And again, they're normally pretty transparent about whether that's a yes or a no. So um, that's all we really do to try and mitigate that. And then obviously these additional things like Funnel Guru, um, the other companies called Ungating Amazon, like they're able to sort of be a backup, I suppose, is how we look at it. Um, Otherwise, you're going to get stuff stuff on hand you can't sell. Yeah. My next question was going to be around the invoices and receipts. So I've seen a lot of sellers, because you mentioned invoicing, um, mm. I've seen a lot of sellers get their offer withheld or suspended because they're not able to supply the right invoicing to prove the provenance of the 
items that they're wanting to sell. So they need an invoice from the distributor or the manufacturer, right? Mm. Often people have receipts, <laughs> particularly, you know, if we're talking about online arbitrage or indeed retail arbitrage, you know, they go into mm. Kmart and they buy, you know, something's in a, in a clearance bin and they'll buy 50, you know, I don't know, toy guns or something from some yeah, brand yeah, yeah. from yeah. Mattel and then they're, all they've got is a receipt to show Amazon that is not enough and you're you're in big it's trouble using so receipts. because I, I recently tried to get this brand approved and I and it was for Amazon Australia funny enough and I actually bought it myself from the mm. Amazon uh sorry from the brand's website in Australia so it was legitimately yep, yep. a brand how how mm. better can my supply chain be if it's the brand directly from yeah yep directly from did my 10 units, got it shipped to my uh, office space and I submitted the invoice. All the details were immaculate and Amazon came back and said, we don't accept X, Y, Z. And it was the format of the invoice. And I'm like, okay, wow. fair enough. I went back to the company and I said, hey, I actually need it um, in a, uh, you know, an invoice after the, after the sale sort of thing so that it's not just this email confirmation. And they wrote back and said, this is our only invoicing that we offer. We don't, off- we don't change it. We don't offer anything additional. This is our legitimate final copy yeah. of, a, of a sale and so I'm then left going back to Amazon going well this is what they've said screenshotting it you know this is directly from this company and Amazon didn't want to buy of it and so I had to return the inventory I couldn't get ungated for that brand from buying it direct from that brand which I just found so bizarre so sometimes Amazon's policies are a little bit like and even recently like mm-hmm. I'm in a number of Facebook forums and there's been a lot of um, controversy around the fact that Amazon's now asking sellers to provide the supplier's supply chain documents. So you're basically then approaching your supplier that is making a markup on these items and saying, hey, I need to know where you got it from. Yeah. Only for me to send it to Amazon, not for me to then go and cut you out. Like as That's if right. a distributor is going to disclose that information. So it's left no a way. lot of sellers in this limbo of late. And it's just Amazon, again, with their particular policies that they think are appropriate to implement. So, mm. you know, nine times out of 10, you can win most of these battles, but not always, unfortunately, with Amazon um which is which is a shame you know but yeah, yeah. You, you all you can do is try and mitigate those risks as i've mentioned my first experience with wholesaling was after i'd done the course the wholesale formula twf did you ever do that or no i haven't seen that one i'll have to have a look yeah it was pretty good oh, look it's pretty old i think i was i think i was doing it back in 2016 or 2017 after i got back to australia from hong kong and um <laughs> it actually started i've told this story before on the podcast but i'll share it again um what happened was is that my daughter, at the, she was about nine, I think. Anyway, at the time, she's 17 now, so I don't know how long ago that was. Maybe she was about 10. But anyway, she was looking at a YouTube video of some kid who was playing with or some young lady who was playing with a squishy toy, like a mm. kind of those like foam squishy toys. And I looked at it and she was saying, Dad, you should sell these on Amazon. And I was looking at it and I was like going, and I could see that the video had actually been watched about 4 million times in less than a week. And I was like, oh, yeah, my God, yeah. these things are popular. It was actually from a company in Japan called iBloom and they made these Billy the Whale squishies and, I don't know, lots of different characters, right? So I sourced, I managed to get a wholesale agreement with them in Japan because the buy box at the time that was in the US was being held by an FBM seller mm. who was selling it for 30 bucks, and I was buying them for 10 And by the time I got them in Amazon, I think it was costing me about 20 total with fees. So... Yeah, my first day, I think I sold like a hundred or something. I just couldn't believe how, you know, just how effective and how powerful wholesaling can be. And that was a sort of the strategy that I was using. I was actually wholesaling Australian-made products and Japanese-made products and jumping on listings in the US mm. um, and sort of, I guess, doing international wholesale, I suppose, is probably the, that was my sort of shtick well, on, we, on wholesaling. 
we do that currently, you know, we'll source from American suppliers. And if we think that there's enough margin, because a lot of the time in Australia, we don't have other competitors on there pushing the price no. down. Wholesaling mm. in Australia is incredibly po- profitable. Um, mm. And so we'll actually air freight the inventory over from the US and we'll list it on Amazon Australia and, and sell through that stock. So we're in the same category as you in a way. We're doing international. Yeah, just going back to forcing yeah. it from overseas and, and shipping it in. But we are at the moment actively trying to get more um, distributors in Australia that we can partner with and um, mm-hmm. recently managed to land one that was on the Gold Coast, which isn't far from where our office is. And he's invited us down and he's one of the largest toy distributors um, and importers for Australia. So it's been great to be able to land that. Um, and he said, come down and check out our warehouse and all that. So we're going to do that in the coming weeks. But mm. um, that'll allow us to just have it here quicker and be able to send it in quicker and replenish quicker and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And he's got all that supply chain stuff. So it's been great to, to have found him and be able to work with him. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, right now we're just trying to actively find more in Australia because Australia is such a growing market. I think there's a lot of opportunity. And as I said before, it's not as competitive and cutthroat as the US where you're having to, you know, update your buy box six times in a day because someone else is <laughs> on there trying to drive the sales for them. But yeah. um, evidently though, obviously the demand is is far greater in the US and always will be because it's just a bigger country mm. and far more established. But I still think there's a, a ton of opportunity in Australia. Mm. What other tips and tricks though? Or do you, can you share any kind of tips and tricks for anybody that was thinking about getting into wholesale? Things to watch out for, apart from all the things we've already discussed. Um, yeah, the Look, pros and cons. I, I think and- they're more of a um, they're, they're more issues that you would run into, you know, potentially down the track. I still think there's a, a lot of um, brands that you can sell on Amazon with no headache and no issue, and they're not gated from day one, and you know. Mm. Um, None of that. So I think a lot of that, you know, stuff that we've just discussed is really relevant to gated brands and they're usually the more competitive listings where there's 30,000 mm-hmm. monthly sales occurring. So that naturally that's going to mean that they don't want everyone yeah. on it. So, um, look, I think even uh, speaking about Australia, I think there's far less brands that are gated. I think there's far mm-hmm. less competition. I think there's still demand occurring. And even with Amazon rolling out that API at the moment where it's showing you when you click on a on a product listing, it shows, you know, this has had 100 plus sales in the last month, that sort of thing. You're, you're yeah, able yeah. to see that directly from Amazon right now. If not for Australia, I use a software tool called Scan Genie and I find that's really helpful because that allows me to see the um, other metrics that we like to look at, which is your profitability from Amazon's fees. And your, um, it mm. does have sales demand on there as well, but you're also able to see the competitiveness and how much stock the other sellers have, which is handy mm-hmm. because then you can sort of assess, okay, there might be a hundred sales, but these other two sellers have only got five units left each or something like that. So really you could probably, by the time you actually buy this stock and send it in, you probably could have a hundred units go in and you'd be the only one probably on the listing if they have That's right. plenty of time. So Particularly a lot of around stuff- Christmas. It's sometimes yeah. the last man standing, or sorry, the last person okay. standing, I should say. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like all the offers just get cleared out and you can have like the quite a high price and be nowhere near the buy box and then all of a sudden everyone's out and you're the one left standing and you're the one cleaning well, up and making all the exactly. money. Exactly. Like I, I actually mm. encourage that all the time to clients that I work with. I'm like, it's not always about being the cheapest. If we can see that they're 2 or $3 cheaper than you, but they've only got a few units left, they're going to drop mm. off and it's going to come straight back up to you. So sometimes it's not about being as low as possible. It's about also moving the price back up where we can, which I yeah. strongly encourage if we can make more profit and you're the only person that has the item, like it's has yep, to sell at the price that you're selling at. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree with that. So um, do you use yeah, to, to stop people spying on how much inventory you actually have and how, how it's being depleted or how many you're selling, do you set in uh, max minimum order quantities you know, or max order quantities or stuff like that? So a max um, order quantity of say, you know, 10 units, that way it's very hard to see how much inventory you have on a listing as a seller because that's all that's available. You can't sort of 
run some the nine 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 trick. Won. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah. Some of these uh, software tools have got the ability to be able to to see it regardless of whether you you do all these extra things and um, yeah. Wow, I had no idea. That's extraordinary. Yeah, and it could just be that it's a, a newer thing. I, I don't know how long these sorts of um, features have been around for, but um, mm. I use a, another software tool for the US called Seller Sprite, and that one um, it's free actually, which is great. But I mm. use that to be able to see the. Um, the, the stock levels and that will show me the price that they're currently sitting at as well. So then I can just get this visual of like, okay, we've got mm. five other people, they're all at this price and you can just really quickly just look at it and go, yep, and you can assess it really, really fast, which is good. Um, mm. But, yeah, that one will also show you how many um, units the current sellers that are on the listing have um, in real time, which I, yeah, use on a daily basis to be able to determine whether it's too competitive or if it's saturated or if if – if the product is really consistent and looking at things like keeper charts as well, you know, to see mm. the issue, if it's a really consistent, steady listing and it's not too competitive. Sometimes we'll order enough stuff, uh, enough stock for two or three months, but we'll send it in in dribs and drabs. So yeah, yeah. that is kind of drawing back to what you mentioned, like do you just send minimums at amount uh, at, at a t- one time. And yes, sometimes we do do that approach just to, um, you know, uh, avoid having any sort of extra excess stock mm. Um, mm. or storage mm. fees from Amazon. But yeah. That's brilliant. Is that all the software that you use? So I've been trying to write them all down. There's like Seller Sprite. There was yes, yeah, so Seller Sprite's for the stock levels um, yeah. for the US. Mm-hmm. Scan Genie is the only one that I use for Australia right now. Um, mm-hmm. For the US as well, we use Keeper with an A on the end. So yeah, Keeper I love Keeper. A. That one's been around. Can't for live a really without long it. Time. Yeah, yeah, ever. Mm. Doesn't um, work in Australia though, unfortunately, anymore. It used I know. to. Yeah. So what we've really got now is, um, well, I'm I'm using Helium Ten in Australia. It's pretty good in terms of sales revenue. Um, yes. Terrible in keyword research or just keyword demand. It's awful. Just it doesn't do a, t- a good job at all. Um, I wouldn't try. If you see like a, an estimated keyword volume on a on a search term of say a hundred, you can guarantee it's probably going to be closer to about three thousand search volume a month. You know, like it's yeah. thirty times higher. It's crazy. Well, yeah. I've even seen there was one. There's one really good example that I sometimes show students when I'm coaching them, uh, particularly if they're interested in selling in Australia. Which is around um, one of my clients' products sells. Uh, it has an estimated <laughs> search volume. So we're way off track here. Estimated search volume of 248 search volume a month last time I checked, and I can tell from an exact match PPC on that exact mm. same keyword that that my my client's product has been shown like over 25,000 times, which is much yeah. closer to the actual search volume per month for that particular keyword. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's nuts. Anyway, so that's the sort of some limitations around some of the tools here in Australia. But it sounds like I do Scan, agree. Scan Genie is pretty um, good. Yeah. You know, I haven't had any issues with it. And then the only other one that mm-hmm. I use for the US is called AZ Insight or mm-hmm. Insights, I think with an S on the end of it. Um, and that one again is quite useful, but it's, it's limited to the U S so it's, it's quite tricky if you're trying to do Australia, like we are quite limited with tools, as you mentioned, but, um, Mm. I think with time that'll sort of probably improve, hopefully even Amazon themselves are rolling out a lot of new features, which is handy, um, for sellers. So that's right. Well, we've got brand analytics that, that can help us to understand how much you know, search volume there, there is. And there's also some of the other tools as well that live within the brand section, as long as you're mm. brand registered, of course. Mm. They give you really, really very strong estimates in terms of search volume. Um, and then, of course, there's Zonguru, you know, the Australian, I guess the Australian made, although John, I believe, lives in California now. So, but uh, yeah, so, you know, Zonguru is not a bad little tool too for Australia. So mm. there's that. Yeah, I've used I've used Zonguru before. Mm. For more so for private label sort of stuff to see. Mm. Um I think when it's 
for me personally, when it's driving me like Helium 10 as well, when it's driving me to an external platform to do most of the work, you know, on their mm-hmm. websites versus in real time on the listing where I can just visually see it and just get to the point, I prefer mm-hmm. that. Um, having to drive off the platform to sort of get a, you know, a keyword report or anything like that via Zonguru is not really ideal for how I operate, but obviously yep. very useful as well. They have a lot of other features that some of these other softwares don't have. So, yeah, you know, you're damned, okay. if, you're damned if you don't, but yeah. They don't all sing and dance. You know, they've all got their <laughs> strengths and weaknesses, don't they? Um, that is amazing. You mentioned as well, but just before as we, we were about to wrap up, but you mentioned at the very beginning um, before we jumped on the call that you're looking to go into private label um, potentially here in Australia, I think, in the next few weeks. So yeah, what's your journey so we, been like there? We, um, we definitely want to use the knowledge that we have from products that have sold well in the US to try and tap into it in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um even, for example, there was a, a vitamin that we were importing that was doing really well on Amazon.com.au um, mm-hmm. and then the brand themselves stopped making that particular vitamin and I'm just like, why on earth you would oh, do that? But what a shame. Yeah, it was really frustrating because it was something that was moving really, really well for us. So we're trying to utilise the knowledge that we have from the wholesale side of things to, to identify gaps in the market and instead of just finding another wholesaler to service that. Yeah. We're sort of looking at could we make our own or white label, you know, from a protein brand or something like that and mm. and um, be able to create the listing and, and in turn, um, you know, have a higher margin basically is what we're trying yes. to see if we can do. So, um, yeah. yeah, so we are actively doing that at the moment and hopefully be able to see some progress on that in the, in the coming weeks to be able to see whether there's going to be, uh, you know, need for us to do that or whether we just stick with mm-hmm. what we know and, and focus on the wholesale. So, yeah, it's exciting. One last question. You mentioned briefly during our chat today that you, with the advertising, do you advertise much on your listings? Um, no. No? <laughs> Just let somebody it's else do it. find so bizarre. When I say yeah. you can buy brands that are already established mm. uh, that you and I would grab in the supermarket aisle, buy them from a wholesaler, make a profit on them and not have to advertise on Amazon. People yeah. are like, what do you want about? Wow. Like it's, yeah. not a main, it's, it's not the mainstream way of thinking when it comes to e-commerce. No. You think you need to run ads. You think you need to come mm. up with your own idea and get it out of China and put your own logo on it and all of that. And mm. I really love that the wholesale um, business model has so many, you know, that every business model has got pros and cons, but it has a lot of um, pros in the sense of like if you, a lot of people struggle to get their head around marketing. So if you aren't strong at mm. that, you don't need to worry about that. A lot of people think that they have to like reinvent the wheel and come up with the next, you know, best yeah. thing. And it's like, you don't need to worry about that. And, and quite frankly, if you get bored of selling that product, you, you're not committed to it long term. You're not building this brand mm. you have to build for the next three, four, five years. It's just like ride the wave for a month or two. If you're over it or if the market changes, you pivot and move. Mm. You're not stuck or committed to the stock any longer than usually like four to six weeks, which is great if you only buy thinking about yeah. that much time, you know, and just keep That's that right. cycle turning. Yeah, so, yeah, you don't have to worry about. Oh, I agreed, and you don't have to worry about listing optimization because you wouldn't have editing rights on any of the listings anyway, because they were kind of created either by Amazon vendor or the brand themselves. So you, they, they're just sitting in your inventory, right? So you don't have to worry about copywriting or anything like that, and no. making the, the listing copy. No, I don't. Yeah. I people go, oh, how do you photograph your your products? I'm like, I don't need to worry about that. It's already done. <laughs> it's already done. Yeah, even if you tried to add a photo onto the listing, it wouldn't be accepted anyway. You know, you don't have contribution rights to the, you know, because it's a wiki. The, the listing is a wiki. Um, but, yeah, it's very rare that a new seller just listing that inventory in their, you know, that product into their inventory in their seller account 
would ever get editing rights on the on the product unless they had brand registry. So you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. It's really good, isn't it? I'll sell rocks. Yeah. I need to get back into it. <laughs> the only the only downside is just it's just competitive, you know what I mean? So you don't yeah. own your yeah. you don't own your product. But quite frankly, mm. if you can dedicate your time to your business, you'll still see great results and there's still plenty of opportunity, as I mentioned. So like mm. I don't really think of it as a negative. But um but yeah. No. That's awesome. Hey, how do we get in touch with you if we wanted to do that? If someone wants to learn from yeah, you do you have a course or something or what, what I had, yeah, we actually do partnerships with most of our clients so we work one-on-one directly with anyone that we're working with we just find that that's a better approach and sure. instead of doing I guess quantity we more so take the quality it's not the right word but like you know instead mm. of doing a thousand people we might work with a hundred but then we're able to sort of work far far uh closer with them um in that mm-hmm. time so yeah reach out on Instagram if you're on Instagram my Instagram handle is E-M-M, full stop, E-C-O-M, so M.E-C-O-M. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool. That's probably the best approach um, and, and best way to reach out and then see if it's a good fit. And then obviously mm-hmm. my website's linked to my bio so people can have a look at our, um, you know, fee structure and what we offer in exchange for that fee and, and how that sort of looks. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got quite a few testimonials on our website, all that sort of stuff and some results that we've generated. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's probably cool. the best starting place. If I was a private labeler now, this is my very last question. <laughs> That's my third last question. Um, if I was private labeling and I had a really successful product, would it be worth my time getting in touch with you if I was sort of getting a bit sick of? Look, I think there's two things that I would say on that. I think um, firstly, one, if you were a private labeler that has built up demand for your product, why not even mm-hmm. consider wholesaling it to other third-party sellers like myself and, you know, Um, sell through a large amount of stock up front you know if I'm buying for a a listing on Amazon it's usually at least 100 units plus so that Mm. could be a a lump amount of cash flow come back through Um, and I think having just a wholesale element in your business anyway is ideal because then you've just got um, better um, numbers for forecasting ahead of time if people are willing to keep coming back and buying from you so um, Mm. that's that's one option or two I mean um, definitely I think the the barrier to entry with the wholesale business model on Amazon is, is quite low. Like most of these suppliers that you're buying from, you know, have a minimum order value of probably like a thousand dollars. Like it's not like a lot of money that you need to outlay to be able to buy from a distributor. And that way you can sort of dip your toes in and, and um, you know, get started with the business and, and see if it's something that suits you. Um, I think yeah. there's just so many different ways of doing e-commerce. So everyone's got to try and figure out what's the best one for them and their needs and their time as well. You know, some people do want to have the next big, you know, high smile and everyone, you walk down the street and everyone knows who you are, but other people, if it's just about making, you know, another income in your household, like this Mm. is a great alternative for that and still be able to have that. Yeah. Time freedom. Pretty low risk. Pretty low risk. I love it. Emma, thank you so much for joining me. It has been amazingly informative and yeah, just such exciting times for you. Um, And congratulations on all your success with wholesale and yeah, sharing all of your wisdom and your experience with us today. Really yeah, no, I really it. appreciate it. Thanks so much for your time, Chris. No worries. We'll, we'll chat again soon. Bye. All links and show notes for this episode can be found over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher or your favorite podcast platform. Sign up to my email over at theaustralianseller.com and I'll send you a note each time I publish a new podcast episode. Thanks so much again for listening.